and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to you. Have the police showed up yet, Austin? Austin just had a had one of those a really bad misdial. Look, uh, there was there is some sixes and some nines involved in the number I needed to dial, and I flipped some around and one nine one one got dialed. I'm Oops. sorry. It's not good, Austin. And then when I realized, I just yelled "Whoops!" and hung up. I probably should have stayed on and said something. <laughs> yeah, probably. They may call you back. Yeah, they probably will call you back. All right. It's time for your daily assist. Let's get to it. Hit it, Austin. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chris, you ever had the 911 accidental dial that Austin just did trying to get you onto the air just now? You ever had that? Uh, can't say that I have. No. no that's a bad one. Uh, 911. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I'm fortunate not to have had to deal with that. This uh, is what's going to happen, Chris. Apparent, uh, they're going to try and call back. The line's going to be busy, and then they're going to send the SWAT team over. We're so in we'll see how it goes. Yeah, usually better uh, to just apologize and. Uh, Rather than you know have to deal with potentially having your your building raided. <laughs> so uh, Chris, let's start off talking about the Jazz. You'll be happy to know that uh, uh, Locke and some other uh, folks around here are are picking up the cries for Rudy Gobert to be a part of the MVP conversation. How are you feeling about that? You feeling still good about uh, saying he should be part of the convo? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt it you know a month or so ago as you start to see some of these numbers come together and the impact he was making on both ends of the floor. Um, and, you know, the more the Jazz win, the the more enhanced I think his chances are. I mean, I, I still would make him more of a dark horse candidate. It's going to be really hard to overlook the numbers that are put up by Nikola Jokic and Giannis Tentacumpo. And you know, now that Joel Embiid is headed back, you know, what he does – uh, but, you know, he, he's definitely in the conversation. And, you know, if the Jazz finish the season as well as they're playing right now, um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting vote, I tell you. I mean, this, I think, is going to be the most fragmented vote we've had in, in a long, long time, at least as long as I've been uh, among the voters. It's just going to be, uh, I think, you know, a lot of candidates getting a lot of votes. Aren't a lot of people tired of voting for Giannis anyway? Well, I mean, it's, it's that's kind of a polarizing position in some ways. I mean, I, I think that there is such thing as voter fatigue. I don't think it should exist. Um, you know, if you're an MVP voter, you are required to look at this vote in a vacuum. And, you know, ignore what happened in the playoffs last year. Ignore anything that happened outside of, you know, just this, this one season. And, you know, Giannis has, has missed a couple of games in the last couple of weeks. The Bucks have scuffled a little bit. 
in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so that's sort of taken some of the uh, shine off him. But you know, if Milwaukee finished the season as the top one or two team in the East and Giannis putting up the kind of numbers he did last year while continuing to be a dominant defensive player, you know, you, you're going to have to make a realistic argument that he's, that he's not the guy, uh, no matter what you think about the idea of, of voting for him for a third consecutive time. So, I, again, it's, it's going to depend what your flavor is, really, on, in this vote. Um, and, and that's why I think you're going to see some, some votes that are all over the place. Chris, we're going to see the Mavericks tonight, and after a bit of a sluggish start, they seem to be playing better as of late. What is working for them right now? Well, Porzingis is putting up numbers, um, despite the fact that he kind of continues to get something of a bad rap. I mean, it, 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 he was his absence and at times inconsistency was a problem for this team early in the season. Um, I think they've leveled off in some key areas as well, whether it's three-point shooting. Uh, defense, they've started to climb in, in those respective rankings. Uh, and they started to play more like the team we saw at the end of last season. But the engine of this team still is, you know, Doncic and Porzingis. And, you know, the big question with Dallas every single night um, is where does that third scoring come from? Is it Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is it, uh, you know, somebody else? I mean, they, they've oftentimes struggled when they've lost to find that third score. So beating them isn't really a question of slowing down Luca and KP, it's it's making sure that nobody else burns you. Chris, as we've talked to you many times about, it's uh, it, it all depends on what the Jazz do in the postseason, right? That's where they're gonna they're really going to be able to establish themselves. I'm telling you right now. I remember two or three years ago when we were talking to you, and and we were uh, describing the Jazz as a team that lacked real stars, you know, in order to put itself in a position to do some good stuff for the postseason, and. With the way Donovan Mitchell is playing, I mean, I've never seen him so relaxed. I, I've, I've never seen the guy at uh, the level where he's at right now. So now we already talked about Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell is coming along too, making progress. They don't like stars anymore. No, and you know, Donovan's made incredible progress. Um, you know, j- just you know, getting. I, I was having this conversation actually recently with Mike Conley about the the evolution of Donovan. And one thing he said to me was he's just this year, more than last year, he's getting to the spots. He's what he wants to, like if he identifies where he wants to take his shot from, he's getting to that spot, whether it's the three point line, mid range in the paint. Whereas in years past, or at least last season, from Mike's perspective, you know, he wasn't always getting there. And when you are able to get to your spot, it, it just increases you know, the likelihood the shot's going to go in, increases your confidence, it makes you a better all-around offensive player. So if he's able to kind of make that something of a controllable where in the fourth quarter of games he's going to get to his spot, uh, that just makes him a, a much more dangerous offensive player. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know that you question the star power of the Jazz anymore. They may not, you know, have the traditional star power with, where the numbers are put up like LeBron and AD or – uh, the three guys in Brooklyn, but they have, you know, at least two guys that are, you know, elite at their respective positions. The ja- <clears throat> Excuse me, Chris. Uh, the Jazz will take on Phoenix uh, this week as well. And uh, Phoenix, I'm sure, gets a, a lot of the kind of attitude the Jazz do where it's, well, it's impressive, but let's see what they do in the playoffs. A lot of people speaking like that. But what has worked for, for Chris Paul? Or, or let me rephrase. Are you surprised that uh, Chris Paul has had the effect on that roster that he has? No, not really. Um, in part because 
this was a, a Suns team that was on the rise anyway. I mean, we saw in the bubble the eight no record. They they were really good, and you know the impact Monty Williams has had on that team, giving them the kind of stabilizing force or influence that they haven't had there. I mean, they have cycled through coaches and executives, you know, a lot of different people over the last, you know, five or six years. I mean, I think at one point, Devin Booker had like five coaches in five years. It was just a, a wild number. And, and Monty stabilizing that last season was the first real positive step in, in that direction. You know, Chris Paul coming in merely, you know, added on to what was already happening there. Uh, so, you know, his, his chemistry with Devin Booker has been predictably really good. Uh, I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, you know, when we talk about Rudy as a dark horse for MVP, DeAndre Ayton, I think, is a dark horse for Defensive Player of the Year. He won't win, but I think he's in that mix because of, of his commitment to that end of the floor, you know, changing, you know, what the Suns are doing on that end of the floor. I think they're still a top-ten defense, and that has a lot to do with, with DeAndre Ayton. So, um, you know, again, you're right. No, another team has to prove it in the postseason, even though a guy like Chris Paul has proven it, at least in uh, – a Western conference level or conference level uh, in the past. So, uh, you know, they, they'll have to show some things, but you know, right now they're, they're showing all the hallmarks of a team that, that should be really successful in the playoffs. We mentioned it to you before, Chris, about, I think about what doc rivers said when he was asked who the best teams yeah. in the West were, but we could go, he said the Clippers and the Lakers, you know, uh, when I think about that, I understand him saying that, but, I mean, you, we already talked about the Jazz and the Suns, but I think the Nuggets are going to be really dangerous, too. The, are you really sold on the Clippers and the Lakers if the Lakers get healthy? Or are you thinking maybe so, – uh, let me ask it this way. Would you bet against the field, or would you bet uh, that the Lakers or the Clippers will win the West? Well, assuming health, I'd still bet on the Lakers. I don't care if they're the number 10 seed going into the playoffs and have to play in that play-in tournament to get in. I'd still bet on them. I mean, you know, LeBron and AD are, are who they are. But Drummond's going to be really good for them. I mean, Drummond, you saw in spurts early in that one game that he played, you know, whether it's shot blocking, rebounding, you know, you know, causing havoc at the rim with defenders having to alter their shots. Uh, he showed he's a willing passer at times in, in that situation. He's an upgrade for them, no question. Uh, that's, that's nothing against Marcus Gasol, but he does different things than Marcus Gasol. So having him there makes him uh, makes them a lot better and – as long as you get two or three weeks of LeBron and Anthony Davis back in the mix, it's hard to bet against the Lakers because they, before all this, they were really good. Dennis Schroeder is really good. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're great. Um, so I'd probably take the Lakers over the field at this point if I was a betting man. Clippers still, I mean, you know, the Rondo you know, uh, acquisition I think will certainly help, especially if playoff Rondo shows up as he has often done, including last year. But there's still a team that has to show me mental toughness before I pick them to win anything. I mean, they, they got punched in the mouth last year, and they folded. And that's not the first time a Clippers team has, has done that in, in a situation like that. So until we see that kind of mental toughness, I'm not, I'm not sold on the Clippers being the, the same level of championship threat as, as the Lakers are. But the Lakers, to me, would still be you know, the most formidable team out there, regardless of where – uh, where they finish. It would almost be a shame for, for the Jazz if they finished finish the top seed to wind up staring down a healthy Lakers team in the first round of the playoffs. That would just probably be everybody's worst nightmare in Utah. Chris, I, I think we ask you about this weekly, but uh, are the Celtics going to turn it on? I feel like a, a team with that kind of talent shouldn't be 500. 
Well, they're starting to. I mean, the last couple of games have been really good for them, um, albeit against Houston, who everybody kicks the crap out of, and, you know, Charlotte, uh, which has been banged up. Uh, you know, two things you like about Boston. One is Robert Williams is starting to show that Clint Capella-type level of skill. Uh, he's he's a floor, uh, a rim runner, a shot blocker. He's, he's really cut out of that Capella, DeAndre Jordan mold. In the last month, he's starting to to showcase that potential on a more consistent basis. And the other is Evan Fournier. I mean, I... I said this to you guys before. I mean, I love the trade for Evan Fournier. The first couple of games, he looked out of sorts. But beginning in the fourth quarter of the game against Houston and extending into that game against Charlotte, he started looking like Evan Fournier. He was making, I think he made like 10 three-pointers in a row or something like that. Uh, so he, he's you know starting to get comfortable in that Celtic situation. And if he can make shots like that, you know they're going to be a lot better. Are they, still, are they on the level of Brooklyn and Philadelphia and Milwaukee? No, I don't think they're there yet. But... Uh, you know, I think the Celtics can get things rolling a little bit over this final month if if the two guys I mentioned continue to play at this level. Uh, we talked about the Nuggets a second ago, Chris. They've won five in a row, and they're eight and two over their last ten. What do you make of uh, them as a, as a playoff threat? Oh, uh, they're I mean, they're as legit as anybody. It, it, I mean, it's hard to handicap who the the toughest teams are in the middle of that pack, whether it's Portland, Denver. Uh, the Clippers, I mean, there's just, you know, there's a lot of a lot of parity, or at least close to parity in the NBA and the Western Conference playoff field right now. And, look, Denver, I think, you know, they're going to be tougher in the playoffs because of that Aaron Gordon trade. I mean, they're going to have another body that they can throw at, whether it's Kawhi or Paul George or LeBron or anybody else, you know, across that Western Conference that fits that 3-4 mold. Uh, Aaron Gordon's going to be useful in that respect. And Jokic... He's just not slowing down, guys. He's, he's been playing great all season long, and you know he's probably going to come real close to averaging a triple-double this season, which is a pretty significant accomplishment no matter what you think of how watered down a triple-double uh, has become. So, you know, they're, they're, they're tough. I just don't know how to – I don't know how to handicap it. Like, it's just, you know, it, it's whether it, it's you know, one guy being more consistent, an injury here or there. Um, it is a, it going to be a wide-open Western Conference playoffs, I think, and um, it's going to be fun to watch, I think, from the first round on. You know, the, the play-in scenarios, uh, Chris, do you think that we'll end up getting these permanently? What do you think about them? Yeah, I love them because it gives you more intrigue in the final month of the season, and it uh, stops some teams from maybe tanking. You only see kind of a handful of teams doing that now, whether it's you know Orlando just you know trading away any guy that Steve Clifford might want to play or – uh, you know, Oklahoma City just brazenly shutting out Horford down. That was a pretty bold move there. Um, you know, there's a handful of teams doing it, but for the most part, you've got, you know, Sacramento playing hard now. Maybe they wouldn't be if there wasn't a playing tournament at stake. Uh, Eastern Conference, you got the same thing with Chicago fighting, you know, for that 10 spot. I mean, there's, yeah, I think the playing tournament or game or whatever it's going to wind up being is a plus for the NBA. Now, there will be some tweaks to it, you know, moving forward. You'll see maybe just a play-in game as opposed to, you know, multiple teams being involved at the end. Uh, and maybe you have some situation where a team has to be within one game of the eight spot to qualify for the play-in just to not water down the regular season too much. But one way or the other, it's been a huge positive for the NBA, and I can't see it going away. Chris, a lot of good coaching going on out there right now. Do you still favor, or I don't know if you ever favored him, but do you think Quinn Snyder might win that Coach of the Year award? I think he's got a strong case. I haven't thought too much about, you know, who deserves it at this point. I mean, Monty Williams 
will have an argument. Tom Thibodeau, I think, has a really strong argument. Uh, yeah, this is another one of those, like, oh, God, all the awards races, except for maybe six man, I think Jordan Clark's going to win that pretty convincingly. Um, I, you know, except for, for that, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, of really tight votes in the end of the season awards, and, and Coach of the Year is among them. I mean, Quinn, Quinn's case is consistency. Really, Jazz, besides, outside of some brief stumbles after the All Star break, have been remarkably consistent all season long. And that's. That's a credit to Quinn Snyder as much as anything. Plus, I think, you know, I do think you have to factor in everything that's happened over the last year for the Jazz when you're considering the case of Quinn Snyder. I mean, you can certainly argue they righted the ship in the bubble and got all the drama from last March over with, but I'm, I'm sure there were some things that the Jazz needed to get past in order to, to move forward, you know, to start this season. And I think Quinn has to get some credit for that as well. So I, I don't know if, how you put it, put it down. Do you make him the, the front runner, the favorite? He's certainly among the top three or four, that's for sure. And uh, I think we'll have to see how the regular season plays out before, before any, uh, any resolution is there. Chris, thank you as always. Have a great week. You got it, guys. Our friend Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, joins us each and every Monday. You know, one thing that comes through loud and clear when we're talking with Chris about what's going on in the West is it's going to be crazy. It's, uh, the playoffs are going to be crazy. When you look at the caliber of teams there, I don't know if you agree with him about uh, he'd take the Lakers over the field. Do you? Uh, no, not at the moment. Yeah, we'll see how that team gets pieced back together. But uh, it—I mean, I look at these teams in the way playing, and and I don't dismiss the Suns. I, I, you know, it's it's easy to just go Clippers, Lakers if you want to, but I mean, the Blazers are tough. The Nuggets, as we talked about. The Suns, the Jazz. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun uh, as we see this uh, shake out. I like the uncertainty, man. I get tired. I mean, is Doc Rivers always going to pick the Clippers and the Lakers every year? I mean, it's it's good to see some fresh faces, some teams that are making progress move into situations or positions where they might be able to do some stuff. Of course, the rank and file aren't going to believe until they see it happen in the postseason, but doesn't mean it can't. want to remind you about our friends at SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. Coach Chiesa joins the show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily, but let's... uh. Let's do the Masters giveaway right now. Caller 12, uh, and we're going to pair you with a top 25 player in the field at the Masters this week. And uh, a 26th qualifier will get the field. If your player wins, you will receive the same brand of driver that that player has in the bag. Qualifiers, uh, we'll get them today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. It's the Win a Golf Masters giveaway. 
so caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and see what player you get for this year's Masters. Brought to you by our friends at Uinta Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. You know, the good thing about that, Jake, is I imagine whoever wins the Masters will have a fairly hefty driver in the bag. Anybody out there playing McGregor drivers? Is that still a thing? <laughs> What's uh, a cheap brand of golf clubs? I don't know. That's why I thought of McGregor. I want someone with McGregor. actual wood head driver out there. I think McGregor oh, man, I was. Still, I still got some of those. I think McGregor was like the Kmart brand. Could be wrong. It definitely about that. was. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk some NBA basketball. Uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, longtime jazz assistant coach. He's our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Jake, I'm doing well, Gordon, also. Thank you. Terrific. Did you have uh, a nice Easter Sunday? Yes. It was uh, quiet from the night before with the Gonzaga game versus the Bruins. That was an unbelievable game. So it was quiet. Us and Easter Bunnies. <laughs> Now, i got to ask you, Gordy, uh, we were just talking about old drivers. Did, do you, you remember the days of playing with old persimmon wood drivers, don't you remember yes. that? Yeah, prehistoric days, yes. Yeah. Yes. Those, they, they were, you look at them, you look at those old drivers and the size of them, and compared to today's drivers that look like you're swinging a toaster on the end of a stick. You know, that is correct. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It's an unbelievable technology as far as all the different uh, – it's all sports. Yeah. Coach, I want to ask you about the Jazz. Now, the, the game on Saturday against Orlando. Orlando um, only fielded eight players. I mean, they're obviously a, a franchise in transition. We talked to you a little bit about that after the uh, after the trade deadline. But that said, they're still NBA players, and the Jazz still ran their stuff and looked unbelievably good doing it. Very much. It was a 46-point uh, thrashing. The eight guys dressed. Jake, that's the good part. The bad part, not one player wanted to be there from the Magic's point of view. So the Jets wanted to be there, and they certainly were. The power three-point shooting, both offensively and defensively, the Jets hold the magic. It's almost impossible to do. Two for 23, which comes to 8% from the, from the three-point range, and the Jets go 26 to 55, which is 47.3. But the point about it is emphasized is that Donovan Mitchell played absolutely great. He dominated the game from the beginning, and then Joe Angles is playing sensational. Whether you start him or not because of Michael Conley or you come off the bench, Joe is absolutely is the glue to the team. And uh, Gordon and Jake, this last uh, nine-game of Jazz uh, win streak, Joe is shooting 28 for 48 from three. Joe, give me the hot sauce for 60% <laughs> from three. When you, you used an interesting term there, Gordy, power three-point shooting. When you say that, are you talking about the, the numbers in which it is coming or the positions on the floor from which they are coming or just the proficiency with which they're coming? Well, in a Jazz point of view, it's all the above. The Jazz are first in the NBA in May threes per game at 17.1, which is uh, heading to NBA record, and they're first in the NBA in – most attempts at 43, and they're second in the NBA in 39.8 accuracy behind the Clippers. And But the good part about it is, add to that, the Jazz are first in the NBA in allowing least made threes. So, Gordon, they've dominated the three-point game. They make the most threes, and they allow the least threes. 
and that's been a margin of error, and that's been momentum shots. So a lot of times, you know, you beat a team, and that's commendable, but when you have the power three-point shooting, it's the knockout punch, whether it's early in the game or whether it's for the closing. Coach, the Jazz have the Mavericks tonight. What do you think about uh, uh, Doncic and uh, Porzingis as a duo? Do their games fit well together? Yes, they do. Very much. Now, Brzingis, he might not play tonight. They're listing him as questionable with the right wrist injury. But Don, Luka Doncic will be there. He's the second coming of Larry Bird as far as his brilliance is all-around game. Here's his quick numbers. They can play together in lockstep. One is an incredible uh, skilled player as far as having command of his dribble. Doncic is averaging 28.6 points per game. 48.8 field goal percentage, 37 from threes, 8.1 rebounds, and 8.8 assists as a jumbo passer. People don't realize how big and thick he is. He's like six, seven and a half, and guys bounce off him defensively. So the question tonight, Jake, will be: Can Royce O'Neal, Boyan Bondanovich, and Joe Ingles have enough defensive tenacity and technique to stay in front of him and take away some of his looks? But even more importantly some of his passes. He's only 22 years old, and that's the thing about it. He's a franchise player, and he's absolutely great. He, he's a, he helps his team win. And by the way, the Jazz have won nine straight, which is in the, the most active streak right now as far as winning, but the Mavericks are trying to catch up. They won four in a row. So I've got the dumb question of the day for you, Gordy. You, we were talking about Porzingis there for a minute. Jake and I had mentioned this earlier. When when Rudy goes up against Porzingis, not only does he absolutely kill him on the boards, he more than doubles him up on the boards, and he holds Porzingis to a low shooting percentage, including from the perimeter. I, I you know, I mean, I, I find that uh, pretty pretty remarkable on Rudy's part. Oh, very much, absolutely. And the reason why is that. Um Rudy is more aggressive towards him. Przingis likes to play offense in a tuxedo where everything is perfect. You know, he's out there spacing out. He's a, he's a three-point shooter. But Rudy's able to have enough presence and determination to close out defense on him. And then with the rare time he goes inside to get an offensive rebound or to uh, make an offensive move, Rudy has, uh, again, has the tenacity and the technique and the length to make Przingis take a doubt shot versus a fluid shot. So what Rudy's done to Brzingis the last, we say, two years in particular, is that he's taken away his finesse game because of his physicality. And Brzingis, if I was coaching Brzingis, I would, I would try to emphasize uh, making a quick decision move on perimeter, get the ball, catch and go drive, and expose Rudy's feet or in the lane, inside pivot, catch and go, uh, one bounce, elevate, and take away Rudy's length. That's what I was coaching Bazingos. That's what I attempt to do. Rudy's point of view, not going to let it happen. What's going to be the tougher game this week, Coach? Phoenix or Portland on the second night of a back-to-back after playing Phoenix? Phoenix. Phoenix, because those guys are serious and they like the Jazz that they don't they don't get respect right now. So the Jazz nationally, for some crazy reason, they keep talking about all the other teams in the West. And the Jazz, they talk about, but not as far. Oh, by the way, the Jazz had the best record in basketball, the Jazz, and they've dominated their opponent. Now, the, the Phoenix point of view, hey, wait a second. We're 8-0 last year in a bubble. That's yesteryear. I get it. But this year, we're absolutely, we're only three games back in the Jazz in the loss column. 
and we have a good team. When you have Chris Paul on your team, no matter what happens, he's going to control the game. And he's the master of the middle game. So a lot of times, you know, in jazz basketball, which good teams do, they take away the three-point line. But Chris Paul counters that by on that pick and roll, Jake, on that high high pick and roll. He has that dance dribble comes off it for that mid range shot. He makes all of them. Yes, I said all of them. And he's such a great creator. And defensively, he's he's uh, he has early eyes and he causes havoc. So he's the ringleader of this upstart group called the Phoenix Suns. They have made the playoffs, Jake, in, since 2010. So they're highly motivated. So the Jazz game on Wednesday night in Phoenix in the Valley of the Sun should be really almost like a playoff-type game. Gordy, the fact that the Jazz have won nine games in a row, should that be downgraded because all of them were sub-500 teams with the exception of the Nets who played without their star players that night? Or is there achievement in beating anyone in the NBA and beating teams that you should beat? Yes, the latter. Nine, nine winning streak in a row, that's commendable. There was no letdown. In other words, it's not the Jazz's fault that the guys are injured or hanging out, the opposing team. That's on you. It's, it's very easy to cave in mentally with the rigors of, of a, a long season, and the Jazz have not. The Jazz have gotten stronger because they have, they have terrific coaching, but also they have floor leadership and a half of Donald Mitchell and a half of, a, of, a, of, a, of a Joe Ingles. And I say half. I mean, both of them really are the team leaders as far as how they play the game with um, those guys both being ball conscious as far as making plays. So there's been very little letdown for the Jazz point of view. It's commendable. Coach, I understand you have a list for us as usual. Yeah, Jake, this list today I've been thinking about for the last day or so because of, you mentioned earlier the segue about Luka Doncic. So I thought about him as far as he's a walking triple-double via Slovenia. All right, and so this is only 11 guys, Jake, in the NBA and Gordon, of the, the leaders of triple-doubles this season. And let's reinforce to the 1280 The Zone listeners, what's a triple-double? It's when a player records 10 or more in three of the following categories in a game. They are one, points, two, assists, three, rebounds, four, steals, and five block shots. So really what it does is it's an indicator of impactful game versatility. So think about the catchword, versatility. All right, here we go. Here's the list. With at number 10 tied with three triple-doubles this season are Draymond Green and Julius Randle. In the eighth place, tied with four triple-doubles, Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons from Australia with four. Number seven, he's hurt right now. He's sitting out till probably April 29th or so with five triple-doubles with the Lakers' LeBron James. The sixth leader in the NBA in triple-doubles with six from the Pacers, Domas Sabonis from Lithuania. Number five, we all love this guy, with seven triple-doubles from the Milwaukee Bucks via Greece, Giannis Adento Acumpo. Number four, with nine triple-doubles, he's playing tonight versus the Jazz from the Dallas Mavericks from Slovenia, Luka Doncic. All right, here we go now. Number two, tied. James Harden from the Nets and Nikola Jokic from the Nuggets with 12 
triple doubles. And number one, the, the Jazz play these guys next uh, Monday here in Salt Lake City from the Wizards with 18 triple doubles this season is Russell Westbrook. So he's got 18 triple doubles in 41 games. And Russell Westbrook is second all-time leader behind Oscar Robinson in most career triple doubles. Russell's got 164 right now, the big O at 181. So Luka Doncic tonight for the Jazz to win, he uh, the Jazz will hope to try to slow him down as far as his pa- he's in the score points and rebound, but most of it's his passing. So thus, my list today of most triple doubles. Here's the last point about this, is that do you realize that there's five players from foreign countries on that list out of the 11. So that tells us in America that the foreign countries are developing more overall players as far as skills than, than the American coaches are. So, Gordy, let me ask that in, in relation to the Jazz, the fact that the Jazz, Jake, how long has it been since there's been a triple-double? Oh, jazz. man, going back to Carlos Boozer, I can't remember the year. But yeah, it was, yeah, uh, was it uh, 08 or something? Yeah, it was 2006. Six? Okay, yeah. so what does that mean? Well, because the Jazz have some fine players on their roster. Are they more categorical players, or, or what's the what, what's the hang-up there? Categorical. You're exactly right. The point is that's exactly the point is where they have a bunch of all-around players all these years. But the versatility of a guy in a game to do it. Now, Donovan flirted on it a few times, and the Jets were winning by a lot of points. They took him out, and that's, that's what you should do because you don't want to have any individual accomplishment. Money's getting hurt, golf a bit. But if it's the flow of the game, it's hard. I mean, triple-doubles are hard. Carl Malone, as great as he was, had only four regular season triple-doubles. How about the guy Stockton? Stockton, in 19 years, never had a regular season triple-double. He had one in a playoff game versus, ironically, right on point tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. So as great as John and Caldwell, as great as Donovan Mitchell is going to be someday, that it's hard, it's hard getting a triple-double. The, and the catch word is versatility. You have an unbelievable all-around game that you can impact every, every category. Coach, as always, thank you very much. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Thank you, Coach. Coach Gordy Chiesa joins us on Mondays here on The Big Show. Want to remind you about it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, you. No, that's all right. Uh, it's just, isn't that interesting? You know, to think about the great players the Jazz have had, and yet Draymond Green has four this season. You know, and all these, many of these Jazz players are far better than he is as far as his overall greatness, and yet <laughs> they they don't really do that on the reg. Well, I mean, that's really. Draymond Green's role on Golden State. I mean, your your triple-double guys are kind of the bigger, more versatile wings now, right? I mean, not that uh, Russell Westbrook is is uh, all that big, but um, the Jazz just don't have a player that kind of fits that bill, although Donovan and Rudy have both been close to triple-doubles this year. I, I thought that was interesting what uh, Gordy said at the end there, that that sometimes the Jazz build up these big leads, and so maybe maybe they would have more triple-doubles if those guys <laughs> were called upon to play more. All right, we want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. And uh, when I get carpets or tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean, and I won't have it any other way. $33 per room cleaned carpet or tile you deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. We'll have a market update and wrap up the big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got everything going on, 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 on
a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz Game Night pregame show starts next. We've got to do this a little early today, but uh, caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Uh, to get, we're going to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, eight, as I said, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850, and you'll win a zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers, only here on the Zone Sports Network. Also, it's uh, time for a market update. I'm brought to you by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how'd the markets do today? I've got all kinds of good news here in this regard. Let me start by this. Did you guys, I asked you about that Godzilla versus Kong movie. Apparently movie theater stocks are roaring thanks to that movie. Well, okay. And they aren't alone because the market was up across the board, Jake. The S&P was up nearly one and a half percent, 58 points today. Yay! <laughs> That sounded organic, didn't it? Uh, the NASDAQ was up a whopping 1.67%, up 225 points. I love it when you call me Big Papa. And the Dow. The Dow was up 374 points uh, to a new record high. Yes! Bedlam! All right, there you go. Good day. We have some breaking news about tonight's jazz game, Gordon. Uh, did anybody break something? Kristaps Porzingis will be out tonight for the Mavs with yeah. his sprained wrist. He will not play. Well, he didn't want to play anyway because Rudy always dominates him. So It is a tough matchup. So, uh, you know, if he was on the fence and is still kind of bugging him, it might not be the night to come back. It really comes down to Doncic, doesn't it, with the Mavs? When you're going to boil it all the way down, uh, Doncic is such a force that the Jazz will have to sort of surround him. Like when we were talking to Gordy Chaser earlier, that's what he said, you know, make a team effort to slow that guy down so that the Jazz can win their 10th straight. The rest of Dallas's cast, though, is unspectacular. Yes. So, I, I mean, yeah, I guess they, you know, Luca makes them go, sure, but... It's still a team game, and they need Porzingis just because they need another player that can score. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a fine player, but is he a number two for a real contending NBA team? Not really. He's had some nice games against the Jazz before, but, uh, I, you know, look, yeah, you're right. I mean, Doncic, you, you let Doncic be Doncic. You try and slow him down, but you know that you have superior advantages at other positions. Um, well, I mean, we'll see what the Jazz decide to do. They've played these types of players a number of different ways. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, Jake, that we can – I'm figuring we're going to see a lot of Rudy Gobert dunks tonight. Yeah, well, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein isn't going to play. Here's the complete uh, update for you. Josh Richardson will be available for tonight's game. Willie oh, Cauley-Stein okay. will not. Porzingis will not. Redick will not. And Terrell Terry will not. Okay. Well, all right. We'll Bring on Boban. All right. You're going to see some Boban tonight. What do you say? He looks like a... A supervillain. A supervillain. Yeah, he does look like a super. And he's played a supervillain. He basically is a supervillain. 
Is that why you like him so much? <laughs> yes, 100%. But but you also said something earlier about him that I think is right. He looks like a fun guy to hang out with. He does. He's always smiling. He, he seems cool. So uh, uh, so he's the kind of bad the bad boy that people are attracted to. What? <laughs> Jake, he's saying no, you're he's, attracted to bad boys. He, he's not the Fonz, Gordon. He looks like a supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> when he jumped over that shark. Yeah, it's not not that kind of bad boy. Bad boy like, hey, I've got a super evil death ray. Not like uh, i got a pack of smokes rolled up in my sleeve. But he, but he grins a lot. Yes, he does. He grins a lot. He seems like he approaches life with a lot of joy. <laughs> but he looks like a supervillain. But he looks like a supervillain, yes. Well, so much for the whole idea that your countenance shows that you know, whether you're happy or not, you know? This guy smiles and it freaks everybody out because he looks like a supervillain. I wonder if he has a maniacal laugh. I didn't see the movie he was in. Did he have one of those, you know, villain he didn't. laughs? No. No. That's he's more reserved deep... for, like, the Muppets, I think. Okay. He's, he's got a deep voice, though, doesn't he? Man that big, I, I would yeah. guess, yeah. It would be pretty weird if he had a high squeaky voice. Have you not seen John Wick, Jake's guy? No. Uh-uh. Oh, you'd love John They're Wick. They're good? No. They're terrible? <laughs> They're amazingly bad. Okay. But it's just, they, they, he, it's revenge for what they did to his dog. Really? They made three movies of it, and he just shoots everybody. It's incredible. Well, now, was he, it's the, a family film. Was he the type of dog owner, though, that, that used a leash? <laughs> I don't think. Well, he I, that didn't come up. I don't. But if he were to go to the park, he would not. Uh, he would either have his dog leashed, or it would be so well trained that it, you wouldn't need a leash at all. That's what everybody says. I know, but like John Wick actually. And then my toddler gets steamrolled by a <laughs> German Shepherd. I understand. Everyone out there believes they've trained their dog as well as John Wick. Right. But they have. But he. But John Wick actually has. Wait, it it really is a revenge story about a dog. <laughs> what it no, boils, it's not. It's what it boils Stop down it to. Right. If we now. want to go simplified, that's, that's what it is. That's the. These are the ideas that are getting the green light in Hollywood now. I promise now. you'd like, like it. guys so upset about the his dog. <laughs> I promise you'll like wait, it. Wait. Dogs are cool. Well, yeah, you know, but if your dog were, you know, wronged in some sort of way, would it cause you to go on like a, a revenge well, rampage? There's one more, yeah. gone, yes. one more yes. gone but not forgotten, and that's uh, <laughs> our sweet Daisy, or our sweet Lucy. Uh, at the age of 12, she was run over oh, yes. in our driveway. Oh, oh, like that? Was she run over like that? <laughs> Now, would that cause <laughs> they made a, movie. A, a murderous rampage? Yeah, I mean those. These are this is the plot. Like this is the plot that that we're making movies on nowadays. He I was promise so, you'll like so it. So distraught by Snuggles' passing, <laughs> armed himself to the teeth. <laughs> I promise you'll like Casey. it. Yeah. Oh. I don't believe you. It can't be. You're messing with me Google right it, now, right? No, that does not sound. Wait, that does not sound like the kind of movie that Jake would like. Jake likes those thinking movies, you know, that uh, that that cause deep, deep, deep pondering. Yeah, but he's also a human being, and it's really a, it's a thrill a second. This these movies. One of those. Uh, yeah, I often uh, like the movie. You can turn the brain off for a minute. I'm, I'm oh, there. that's definitely this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
Well, it would it's ha- a point and shoot movie, man. It, well, it would know. have to be if to to buy the plot of a man so upset about his, the death <laughs> of his dog. It's that he, deeper than that, but that's what it that's what it comes. I swear, sometimes I think people not much care more about their pets than they do about other human beings. Really, my my dog died. Grab the rocket launcher. People Lucy, are, Lucy, people are going to pay. Lucy. Like that? <laughs> All right, Gordon. You enjoy your your afternoon of basketball. <laughs> All right, everybody, enjoy the games tonight because uh, it'll be fun. It is the big show coming up next. Jazz pregame here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell. I'll be here saying goodnight. I hate goodbyes. This thing.